understand. But English is a hard language, man. You know, Spanish is so much easier. You got a lot of rules in there in English, man. Like I before E except after C. I didn't know there was this beefing between the vowels and stuff. You know? It's weird, because E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y? What's up with Y? It's got like an identity problem. You know, it's like the Bruce Jenner of vowels or something. You know? It's just be a vowel, man, you know? And my mother felt bad because she would try to do the English thing, but like she, like she would say, you know, they say, what's wrong? Say, I tell her I got a pneumonia. Say, pneumonia? No, it's pneumonia. Say, you don't say the P. Say, why the hell don't you say the P? It's there. Why are they silent letters and words? It's like some elaborate witness protection program in there or something. Did the P do something wrong? Is it a snitch or something? Did it snitch on that guy from Sesame Street? Remember him? Sit on the vowels. Hey, Made no sense to me, man. My dad was in the military. He was very proud, man, you know? And the thing about it was, you know, when they ask me my name, I always say it in Spanish, do I say rentas? You know, because in English it's like rent ass. <laughs> you know, helps a lot with the jobs and, you know, pole dance and that's it. You know? <laughs> my dad was proud and wanted to learn English, so this dude was clever. You know how he learned English? From a radio. We had an AM FM radio. He thought AM meant American music. <laughs> and FM meant foreign music. So we wanted to learn English, so we kept on AM station. <laughs> Only station that took was a Polish station. No bunch of Puerto Ricans listen to Polish music, you know what I mean? So my dad's the only Puerto Rican I know who speaks English with a Polish accent. Hey, can you do a don't It's crazy. My mom's cool, man. My, mom, my mom's a cool lady and shit. You know, she used to get her hair done. She was real frugal about it, you know? She would get it done on a Saturday, and she tried to make it last the next Saturday. So she would sleep with her head out of bed like this. Which is crazy, because my dad would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and bang his head, boom, fall to the floor, start yelling shit out in Polish, you know? Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Unreformed, a podcast dedicated to health and humor. I'm Angel Rentis, your host. With me today is Dr. Joe Delorfano, who is actually the founding father of the term healthcare unreformed. Joe? Hi. How's it going? Great. How are you? Good. And also with me today is Roy Charette, comedian and a member of several improv groups. He is also a distinguished team builder. Roy Charette, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, Angel. Hello, Joe. Hello, Roy. So today we're going to be speaking a little bit about our program, Humor and Health, a combination of what humor can do for health. Joe, you're a doctor and, you know, we work in the healthcare field. And tell us a little bit about healthcare and how humor affects um, the physical aspects of uh, health. Well, there's a couple of, couple of aspects. First of all, actually been shown that there are healing powers of laughter. So when we, when we laugh, physiologically, we, we bolster our immune system. Uh, we have, uh, uh, in, in general, uh, better well-being. Um, there's also a whole other aspect of humor and health, and that is how we use humor in the healthcare workplace. Um, maybe, maybe working with patients and trying to make them laugh, um, or sometimes even not being appropriate in, in, with humor in the workplace. And that's one of the deals where you don't have to charge them, right? At that point there, that's a right. free service. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> There's no coding for that one. 
So Roy, Roy you're, uh, you, you use humor in a different way. You also use it to team build, to uh, help self-esteem. What's your experience with that? Well, I, what I find, um, over, you know, especially over the years, is that a lot of humor comes from situations that occur which are initially uncomfortable or not funny initially. And yet when the story is told afterwards or when you look at it from a certain angle or with a certain lens, then you do find humor in different situations. Uh, you know, it could be something as simple as being annoyed by driving in a passenger seat of a car and it starts to sprinkle outside and you're waiting for the driver to turn the wiper on and he's not turning it on. Eventually, you're starting to squint and look and thinking, when is this guy going to turn the wiper on? And, uh, you know, so uh, or, you know, little things that bother you that are, again, not initially humor. But um, did you ever did you ever get a hair in your mouth you can't find? And you're looking at someone and they're doing that tongue thing. And all of a sudden they're like, (laughs) what what is wrong with you? I got a hair in my mouth. I can't find it. Um, little things that happen are sometimes very humorous when you look at it again from a certain lens. Uh, you ever turn your neck real fast and you get one of those zingers in your neck? I mean, certainly it's not funny then, but to think about how uh, those instances are, are humorous to look at afterward. You ever see somebody leaning back on two legs of a chair and oh, yeah. they almost lose it for a second and they make that amazing save? Well, the heart rate is going 120 miles an hour. But the sight of someone's waving their arms in the air, making that incredible save, can be very funny. And so you find a lot of humor in things that are uncomfortable or unusual. Or, um, but uh, certainly that's the, one of the ways I think that humans have developed a way to deal with things that are slightly stressful, slightly uncomfortable, and that we laugh at things, especially when we see other people in those humorous uncomfortable situations. It's that perspective. Those that are very popular for that exact reason. You're watching people get embarrassed. You're watching people do things they normally wouldn't do. Uh, They don't know they're on camera. Those are examples of situations where humor is actually being utilized in a way where um, it's good for your blood pressure. It's good for your, your cardio. It's good for your abdomen to laugh. And so you find a lot of great reasons to use humor um, throughout your daily lives. That's why I use humor. I don't go to the gym. I don't need to go to the gym. I do my <laughs> class. I get my workout. I get a six pack from laughing. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, usually the laughing comes with a six pack. So it doesn't matter at that point. You know, you could be over somebody's house and they're walking by the coffee table and they bump their leg and you can see that they're in pain, but it's, it could be funny to everyone else. Right. Because we've oh, all yeah. been in a situation. We all have empathy for that person, but it could be very funny to see as long as it's not ourselves. Right. It also yeah, gives you some kind of locus of control. I mean, most that's people right, that, right. yeah, you have to laugh at things. You can't have any control over things. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you really do have is you can laugh at it. Yep. And that's how I see things, you know. Yeah. Uh, we use humor all the time in the hospital. I think it's, it's, a, it's important. It's a, it's a coping mechanism that people use. Okay, uh, so you got to be anything. careful, though, because there are times where you're in the hospital and, you, you know, it's not appropriate or the patient isn't in that frame of mind. Sometimes my, my favorite patients are the ones who, who joke going into the OR, right? Good mood, good perspective, but whoever, not everybody is like that. And you have to be very careful with when you use it in, in, in our work. Hey, the last thing you want to hear is the guy working on you go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's that sound? If you're in a barber's chair, if you're in a barber's chair and someone goes, oh, shit, you feel bad enough. But if you're like in a 
in a hospital and someone and a doctor goes, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a big difference. Different level. <laughs> yeah, but everything, you have to just assess things, you know, assess people's humor. On a date, you know, you go on a date, you have to assess what you can say to this person if you don't know them, so you have to feel them out. Same thing with a patient. You have to feel them out, see how what they're like. You know, my favorite patients, I joke around all the time. Even I feel them out. I don't start joking around right away. I was doing an EKG on somebody. I was reading their EKG. They didn't realize I spoke Spanish. And they said, you know, he's a good-looking guy. He's a little fat. He could lose some weight. And, I, and so I looked at him, and I felt him out a little bit. And then they asked me, is the EKG okay? I said, oh, it looks pretty bad. It says you have to lose weight. You know, basically in Spanish, they all cracked up all of a sudden, you know. But it, it did lighten up the mood. You can use humor in different ways, but you always have to assess things, just like you assess how people are feeling, how they're doing, what's the best uh, movement to do around them. We've now determined that humor is not an acceptable form of weight loss, as you proposed in the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but, uh, but, you know, it does help you when you laugh. Physically, you know, laughing, you know, is great for you physically because, you know, you see a drop in blood pressure. You see, like Roy said, uh, increase in heart rate. Laughing is good for you. It gives you a psychological uh, benefits. There's physical benefits it has. And uh, who doesn't like a good joke? Well, like Roy, there are situations also in the corporate world. You, you're hired to do humor in a corporate setting. There's a lot of, especially nowadays, a lot of times you have to be cautious about that. But do you have experience with that? <laughs> Nothing to incriminate yourself, please. Oftentimes when humor uh, does come up in different workshops or classroom settings, however, it's normally something that happens kind of on the fly where the participants will notice something funny or notice something that's worth sharing in a way that provides a smile or laughter to everyone. And laughter is contagious. You know, it's been shown there are even some groups. I believe this movement started in India where people actually get in the room and without any stand-up, without any other stimulus, they just start laughing. And the act of watching and listening to people laugh moves from initially, you know, can you actually force a laugh and have it to be funny? And yet when you're staring at other people laughing, suddenly you find yourself smiling and then laughing as well. And so they actually have laughter workshops around the world, which uh, really begin with nothing but people getting in a, a shared space. Of course, with COVID, not so much anymore, but the, but the act of laughing, just like watching someone yawn, is very contagious and puts a smile on your face. I think people are very empathetic to all types of emotions. If someone were to come in the workplace with a story about um, having a flat tire in the way to work, then everyone is empathetic to that. And everyone can picture themselves in that setting. Well, the same with laughter. When someone comes in and shares a very funny or humorous story about something that happened over the weekend or with their family, smiles on the faces of everyone in that room as someone is regaling that story. And so laughter is very contagious in that manner. It's why it's so wonderful when you're in a workshop setting and someone does provide an opportunity for humor and it, that everyone can take part in. It lightens the mood. It gets people feeling connected with each other. There's something wonderfully, wonderfully engaging and bonding when it comes to shared laughter. But humor, it shows humanity that, you know, you're, it, just, it brings people closer together. If you laugh, it shows that you're a person. You're not a machine. You're you, they can relate to you a little better. It brings down the wall. Uh, you know, I think it was Joe one time I saw in a presentation he's about laughter, and you had a uh, laughter 
in stages of life and little kids laugh more. And as you got older, laughter amount of time you laugh was less and less until right. you, then it re-creeped up again when you got older. Now, was that a case of insanity or is it a case of just laughing more? You know, you don't know, but either way, you can see that uh, that type of a study shows that, you know, we, we need to laugh a little more. We need to not take ourselves so seriously because if we take ourselves seriously, we're just increasing the stress. It's, it's also a matter of your uh, stage in life. In, the, in, in midlife, a lot of uh, stress, there's a lot of things and a lot of reasons that people avoid laughing. When, when you're older and retired, the stress is off. When you're a kid, you don't have to worry about it. You don't give a damn. <laughs> That's a lot to do with it as well. So in you know, overall content, you know, you, you, you have to laugh things. You know, uh, I, think, I think it helps you uh, to have some control of, of things that you really feel like you don't have control of. You know, uh, people see the glass half full, people see the glass half empty, and then some people think somebody drank out of their glass. But either way, it gives you some kind of control. Uh, so with that said, I think, I think laughter is an important part of life and you have to include that and always be looking. What's your experience with during periods of stress where people think it's inappropriate? You were mentioning that before. Uh, a lot of times when I worked in an emergency room, people would laugh at the people would say, how can you laugh at that? And, you know, you find laughter in these crazy macabre type of things, you know, black humor, they call it. So in medicine, though, it, it is a, is a great stress relief uh, to be able to laugh about things. Uh, so gallows, met, gallows humor is, is a real thing. You, you have to be very careful of the context and who's within earshot. Very different joking around with the patient or having a you know, light mood when you're with the patient. There's a lot of studies now, uh, especially in the uh, uh, oncology, there's a lot of studies uh, with humor. And, uh, you know, Norman Cousins started that, uh, you know, when he did the uh, exams on people and found that said rates actually dropped when uh, people who had a lot of laughter. I think, I think laughter in all general, even it's, it's in use of uh, in education, in team building. I think the key is that, you know, with everything you do in communication, you just have to be careful of what content you use it in and be aware of what are the social norms that are changing, you know, with, especially in the political arena. The connection that with, with, with humor and health is it's really its benefit. I think now more than ever, you need humor because humor has been shown to, to health during these period of time of stress. I mean, every, even comedians that you listen to their stories, they come out tragic, you know, they have these tragic childhoods, a lot of them, and they are able to overcome because of humor. I have to really look at how humor can, can help uh, your patients, how humor can help you from the uh, health aspect of it. And you have to incorporate it. It has to be incorporated in, in that. And you have to, and I think sometimes I'll do as well, I'll assess patients to see what their humor is like. And I find that people who are, have a good sense of humor tend to look at things uh, with a more, more positive view. All right, so here it is. Joe, yeah. when was the first time you ever did stand-up? Oh, that must have been at Looney Tunes uh, with you, Angel. In a small club in Plainville that doesn't exist anymore. We actually started doing improv first, if you recall, and then... Uh, you taught me some stand-up. Stand-up is pretty hard. Stand-up, the thing about the improv is that you have to work with it together. That's why I admire Roy. Roy used to do tons of improv. He's like the master of improv. Roy, when was the first time you did stand-up? What I did is I went to do stand-up, but I saw uh, some folks who, were, who had trained in Second City Improv out of Chicago, 
And I watched them perform and I thought, wow, that's I have never seen improvisational theater comedy done live. And it really uh, it really connected with me. The show really is about trying to position your the other players to look good. Improvisation, you would think, okay, uh, you have to think very quickly about what to say next. No, in fact, that's exactly what you shouldn't be doing, right? And so it's the opposite. In improvisation, you're listening so carefully to what the rest of your team members are saying on the stage that you know what to say next only based on where they left off. And if you're trying to be funny and you're thinking about what to say next, while you're thinking about what to say next, you're not truly listening. To, and so improvisation teaches you to be a tremendous listener and to be in the moment instead of constantly thinking ahead. And what we find is that in the workplace, that bodes very well in managerial training and other situations, including sales, where your job really is to listen carefully and to be an attentive listener, can see and understand that indeed you are listening because you're using some of the same terminology, you're picking up a thought from where they left off. And so improvisation has tremendous application in a workplace, which is why so many, um, so many companies nowadays also look at managerial uh, improvisation training uh, as a soft skills, uh, a soft skill necessary for someone who uh, oversees uh, groups of people, who is a manager of people. Well, that that would be an important skill for a physician as well, because one of the things that we're always taught is you have to listen. You can't direct the uh, interview when you're talking to a patient. We have to figure things out, but the answer is always in what you're hearing, and and so that that's the exact skill that that we have to use. Uh, when we're dealing with patients. You know, that makes sense to me because when you're with a patient, I imagine, and I'm not in the medical uh, profession the way that you and Angel are, but when you're with a patient, I can understand that primarily you have the information. And yet, because you have the information, it doesn't mean that you should be talking all the time. And I can see why that would be so important in your setting. All those skills, which you think are normal skills that people should have, those are teachable skills. Then, and, and this is an avenue where humor can do that. From what I hear, it is you, you should go out there, go out and join an improv group, go do a little stand-up, you know, test it out, get together with some people and, and have fun and make jokes, try to tell a joke. I know that there's tons of books out there now that you know, they are written by comedians, by people humorous who tell you how to tell a joke. Uh, I still find that just getting up on stage and doing it is the best way to do it. But uh, it may not be for everybody. But definitely go out, go find uh, improv groups, people out there, humor groups. Uh, if you can't feel like you can do humor, you can also write humor. There's tons of things you can do. Some people are very funny at writing things. I know um, there's some humor columnists that, you know, write tons of, uh, of material. So go out there and, and, uh, and learn humor, start to add it into your life. Uh, and I think, it, I think it's something you got to work on. Well, improvisation is, like you said, very structured. It's got, uh, it, there, there are some tenets, always reply, never deny, never ask why. Always add information to what you've been given. As I touched on before, uh, when someone has a thought, let them complete their thought and pick it up from where they left off. And that's a strong and improvisational tenant right there. And so improvisation is a skill that can be developed, and it is an important one, a very important one, when it, uh, when it comes to building and maintaining trusting relationships, being, in a, great being a great listener.
It almost it's almost like that term manage chaos where where you know there is chaos but there is some order to that chaos in a sense. So so improv is the same way. It's it's improv but there are some rules that have to be followed that actually help you guide you to become more creative and and put content in its place. This is all learnable. Uh, so we expect people to to act a certain way in roles, but improv kind of prepares you when the roles are kind of shaken up a little bit. Sure and. And a lot of, um, you talk about improvisational, improvisational comedy, or just you guys were talking about stand-up a little while ago. So much of that depends on our upbringing, right? Because oftentimes people have different types of humor or a different sense of humor. Some people may really love dry humor, uh, jokes that equate to having a setup and a, and a kickoff. Other people like more improvisational humor. Some people love physical humor. Um, you know, growing up, a lot of people loved Laurel and Hardy, uh, Three Stooges, that type of thing. Other people really didn't connect to that at all and said, well, what is so funny about, you know, uh, guys who are always stumbling, bumbling, hitting each other, getting hurt, that type of thing. Um, where someone else might love like a dry Stephen Wright type of humor, which is just really, um, you know, looking at situations from a totally different direction, so different that it's very funny to some people. And so uh, a lot of what people love about different types of humor is based on their own experiences and upbringing. That's true. I can see, I, I, I can see like some people see the three students and say, somebody's going to lose an eye. That's, that's a worse thing to do. You can't hit a guy in the face with a pie, you know, it's, yeah. and you know, the vision is right there, not even wearing <laughs> safety glasses for God's sake. Yeah. But you can see how that could go wrong. Yeah. But again, you know, it's it's tapping into your own funny bone and finding what you like. Watching uh, comedy skits, you know, is definitely fun. Watching sitcoms. That's a great example, Angel, sitcoms. Because all of the great sitcoms, you know, from I Love Lucy to Friends, they all had to do with situations where people were in uncomfortable situations because of something they did. Lucille Ball on the conveyor belt, you know, uh, stuffing her, her mouth Trump full of down her throat. Or whatever that scene was, or in Friends, they constantly got into situations where they had to get themselves out of uh, uh, trouble in one way, shape or form. And those are some of the most popular sitcoms in the world. Look at Seinfeld again, another example of constantly find themselves in trouble for things that they were doing or saying. But those are the things that people love to watch. Things they can relate to. Taps into their funny bone. Again, yeah. if it was, if there were no problems in those, in those shows, you wouldn't have the humor. And the humor comes from watching other people deal with issues and problems. And who hasn't been stuck on a conveyor belt with chocolate? Who yeah, doesn't want right. to just that's be right. in that type of job? Yeah. How many times did you, I, I've always, you know, when I get busy, first thing I think is eat the evidence, you know? That's what I do. <laughs> that's the way to so go. Do we still have sitcoms? I don't watch a lot of television myself, only because I've got I don't a, either. I watch PBS and, but, you, know, um, I, you know, NPR I listen to. I read the newspaper. I don't read. I don't see you guys would have to books. tell me. You know, really, <laughs> I had a yellow Plymouth Horizon, and Jim Stock and I went to do a comedy show. And after the show, it was late. We were, like, in Saratoga. We were very far from home. And uh, it was super late. We did two shows for like 25 bucks each. We go out to the parking lot. We walk over to the car. We open it up. We get in. We close it. And then I look around. And I say, oh, my God, Jim, my car got broken into. Look. And so we're looking and it's got papers all over the place. And we get out of the car and I'm looking. And I say, you know what? I don't recognize any of this stuff. We were in somebody else's car. 
Um, and it was unlocked. We literally got in somebody else's car and started rifling through stuff and like throwing stuff around saying, oh my God, my car, got my car was on the other side of the parking lot. Um, similar type of car, yellow Plymouth horizon. So, um, but yeah, we got in the wrong car. We were there for five minutes complaining about how someone broke into our car and trashed the place. And we were in someone's car, someone else's car the whole time. I, I parked my car and, and I came out and I saw these, these two weird guys in my car. Right. Yeah. 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 You drove a yellow Plymouth horizon. Uh, oh, yes, Jesus. Yes. I thought they only made one of those yep. cars. No. Nope. Who would have thought same taste, but comedy definitely is a great tool. Um, so with that said, I think uh, I want to thank Joe who is uh, first of all for, for uh, coming on and, and being the man. Thanks Angel. Uh, and Roy. Thanks for the invite. And it was a pleasure to be on with you guys. Uh, we will come back again and keep this podcast going. Uh, again, looking at different things. Uh, we'll look at different humor, uh, invite different comedians on, and we can talk about uh, aspects of health like diabetes, vaccinations, um, Alzheimer's, diff- just different uh, topics in health. And if you're interested, uh, we hope you can hear this uh, more often and just uh, add us to your playlist. Uh, thank you again, and we're out. <laughs>